friends, welcome to episode 188 of Storyteller Conclave. This is a show all about helping you run the best tabletop role-playing game that you can, whether you're a new storyteller or dungeon master learning the craft, or an experienced storyteller looking to take your game to the next level. I'm Sarah. And I'm Rob. How are we doing, Rob? Not too bad, actually. Yeah. Good dinner. Good, good dinner, good company. Yeah. yeah. Uh, some of your family came over. Yeah, uh, oddly. And, oddly. Uh, just, yeah, it was kind of a squeeze in at the last moment, but it was, uh, my nephews were like, I need to talk hardware about stuff because Nana wants me to talk about my Christmas stuff. And I'm like, what are you thinking? Oh, like a HOTA setup and maybe VR headset. And I'm like, yeah, come on over to the house. Yeah. <laughs> it's like we, we have some we have some opinions. We have some experience. Yeah. Um, so uh, I had my game last weekend. You did. Uh, what did no, no, we had a few, few days of sleep on it. How do you think? I think it went. I think it went great. I really did. I, I thought that it went great. I thought your execution was fantastic. It was, again, neat to have helped you and knew the plot. Because we talked right after show. Right after show. you were. I was I was really super stressed out about the show. Uh, and I think, I think I mentioned it during the show. I was, I was like, I was stressed out about the amount of work I still had to do before um, I got, uh, uh, before I was like, you know, ready, ready to, to, mm-hmm. to, 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 to do things that weekend. And, um. You were like, I, I feel bad because I can't, you know, what what can I do to help? And I'm like, well, you can't paint minis for me. You can't build my terrain for me. And I'm thinking, like, the only other thing I've got to do is I've got to write some plot. And I'm like, all right, look. Here's the thing. I'm going to tell you the plot of the game. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm going to tell you everything. The plot of this specific episode. Of this specific episode, I'm going to tell you, because it doesn't pertain to your character directly, you no. know. Uh, I'm just going to tell you all the things I've got up in, up my sleeve for uh, for Sean's character, mm-hmm. and I need you to add vicissitudes to it. I need you to add undulations, twists, if you will. Um, just tell me how to make it more interesting because it's pretty linear. Here's of like, the uh, first. You find a clue, piece. it leads you here, and then there are you know there's cultists, yeah, essentially, and you're like. What if, and we sat there and talked for probably like two hours mm-hmm. after, right, directly after after recording last Wednesday. Yep. Um, and so yeah, you got to you got to see all the plot, all the the uh, the planning, what the plot was, what you suggested I add into it, what I turned your suggestions into, mm-hmm. and then how I executed them. Yeah. And um, it was it was still one hundred percent. I mean, without a doubt, the telegraphing that you had for the players was good. Mm-hmm. It didn't put out your cards too quickly. You you were able to disclose a- aspects of the plot in a, in a neat way. And in a lot of ways, like I said, it was like I was like I had designed the module and handed it to you and said, "Here, go run this." Yeah. Okay. Okay. I can see. You know, because I gave you all of the broad strokes, mm-hmm. and you, you obviously you gave me the plot runs, but like at the same time, it was all there waiting. And then I got to just sit back and watch it from my character perspective. And I think that's the second part of it is, how do you think I played in it? It was it was funny watching you feign surprise at certain plot twists because you were like, what? That's what's really going on? I mean, you, sh- shut up. You told me to do it that way. <laughs> I did. I did. I did. But it was neat letting the other players explore it without saying a word yeah yeah that was fun because i i could sit from my side and watch them put the pieces together and it, there there was a couple moments too in there where um a couple of my players picked up on a subtle thing that i never made explicit like the initials md mm-hmm. 
um, and drew that line to its inevitable conclusion I to, it was where, to where that was going, what uh, what Daedric Prince they were actually worshipping yep. and stuff. Yep. And uh, so, yeah, it's 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 neat. Um, and uh, I I felt it went really good. No, I um, thought it went great. I, I ran. Uh, I I got to do the, the cool thing I liked about this game was that um, it involved running another gala um, mm-hmm. party. Yep. At a at some noble's estate, yep. which is absolutely Sean's character's playground. Mm-hmm. Um, last time I ran one of these, we ran it in, in Dungeons and Dragons Fifth Edition, mm-hmm. and there was a particular way that the information gathering at the at the party went. We had a stealth team that was rifling through that noble's mm-hmm. crap while everybody was occupied with the party, and we had you guys on the floor talking, getting FaceTime with nobles, and trying mm-hmm. to get information that way. And so we did the exact same thing mm-hmm. this time around, mm-hmm. but I ran it in Savage Worlds. And I thought it was really neat seeing how it ran in Savage Worlds versus how it ran in 5th edition D&D. Yeah, vastly different. And I got to say, one of my biggest joys with how it happened, um, and I, I talked to Sean after the, afterwards too, we were up until 2 in the morning that mm. night just, just talking, like lying in bed, but talking. Right. You know, um, and we were both really excited about how it ran in Savage Worlds. In 5th edition D&D, the numbers were so high mm-hmm. um, that, like, I think Sean's character was, like, plus 12 to persuasion checks or something yeah. like that. You know, It felt rolls, effortless. Yeah, effortless for him to roll in there and just do nothing but 20 plus mm-hmm. in all these persuasion checks. Um, but uh, this time around, you guys actually technically failed the challenge. We did. We totally did. Uh, you needed on the su- front of the house twelve yeah. total successes, and you got ten. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't by much. Yeah, three people only were able to pull out ten. It was a fighter, the cleric, and the bard. If you want to go classes, yeah, yeah, just yeah, to kind of explain the situation. Yeah, uh, well, unlike the bard who got like who who should have been able to get like thirty successes on their own. And, and the sorcerer, you guys actually had oh, four right. people we did. front of we the did. house. Um, and uh, but sorry, Tristan. In in the uh, in Savage Worlds, though, um, first off, we were playing out action cards, and if your action card came up as a club, um, you had a complication. And yeah. You you had a bunch of clubs. I did. Um, oh, Sean said it was eleven of twelve. I think yeah, you guys were short by one. Um, okay. I want to say it was ten. No, but... it was it was less than that because we had one that retracted, that yeah. pulled off at the end. Uh, and it was it was, it was the, the very first thing that happened. Um, okay. But uh, uh, either way. Either either way, um, uh, so you you had a bad run of luck because basically, if you got a club as your action card, there was some sort of a complication mm-hmm. that made it more difficult for you. So you were at minus two to your rolls, mm-hmm. and if you failed that roll, you get essentially ejected from the party. Yeah. Um. So you're and, spending bennies to get new cards constantly. Yeah. Which and it made it a real nail biter. Mm-hmm. And then, like when you were you 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 bennied your card away. You got a cl- you got another club, so you're like, well, <laughs> well, I'm not going to do something, so I'll support someone instead. Right, so you go to support them instead, and that, I mean, it made for a great, like, there was a lot more interaction than just roll and hope for the highest. Yep, yep, you know? yep. It, it added to give fate and flavor to the roleplay. And and the fact that you guys didn't just crush it straight out of the gate, I think, was, was very heartening. Did Second it, team, it, though, it, totally different story. It <laughs> felt difficult. It felt intense. And you guys yeah. felt the weight of those roles rather than just being like, oh, our bard's here. We yeah, win. Exactly. You exactly. Know? So. Yep. Uh, that is my that is my game summary. I think no, it went I, extra, I think extraordinarily it went, well. I think it went well. Um, one of the interesting things about that that ties kind of into um, our last 101 mm-hmm. was we talked about... What's the linchpin of this? 
when we were in our discussions, like, what's the one thing that this is all tied to? Mm -hmm. And you had a hard time kind of thinking about it. And then we finally figured out what that thing was. Like it wasn't the institute. It wasn't the uh, the insinuating event. It wasn't you know that we have cultists. It was what was going on with that situation. And I said, okay, so when that's removed, does it all fall apart? And the answer was yes. It was like, okay, let's now wrap. How yep. do we wrap around that? How do we create MacGuffins that move within that? Yep. Yep. And so again, we had this. Per we have a single situation. This person that is unknown mm -hmm. and the moment they are known it changes everything yep it moves the whole story so using that as the reference point what do we need to do to get there yep and it worked fantastically like we were able to talk through it pretty quickly yep it's like, um, the, like the central pole of the tent just holding everything up yep, yeah yep yeah and so coming off of our last one when we were talking about MacGuffins. MacGuffins are just an object or a device that is significant and necessary to the plot motivation for the characters, but it itself is insignificant and unimportant. It's, mm -hmm. a, it's a, a technically an irrelevant thing, yep. just like the ball in football. It's kind of, if you just put it on the field, it's irrelevant. Yeah. But the moment it's in the hands of a player, it is the most relevant thing on that field because it's affecting everything. Mm -hmm. Whereas the linchpin is the essential component that the whole thing is wrapped around. Without it is, and that is the rivalry. There has to be two teams on the field having the game. Yep. Otherwise, the game doesn't exist, right? Yeah, you can have a ball on the field. You can have a bunch of people throwing it around. It's just catch at that point. But the moment that there is a rivalry between those two teams, you now have a football game. Everything else. Because, again, Blood Bowl has different rules than football, but you know exactly what they're doing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> right? So there's different ways to do that. The idea that it's a football is the perfect metaphor because you're carrying it throughout the story. Mm -hmm. You're constantly moving the concept of what the football is between each of your adventures. The linchpin, as it gets pulled, gets placed somewhere new, and the ball, the theoretical ball, continues. Mm -hmm. It may not be the same MacGuffin. It may go from a note that turns into some package that then turns into a bribe that then turns into delivering a person you know, or, or an idea or carrying that on or a lie that then has to be turned in. All of that is something that gets carried along, but that is not what the plot is. It's just a thing. Yep. So always keep that, those two components when you're working with your story. But that was all last 101. Correct. And we are here to talk about something entirely different today. We are. Um, now, it is my greatest regret that this is not episode 187. Oh, because okay. we are going to be talking about death. Yes, yes, <laughs> yes. Um, it is unfortunately one eight eight, so we can't make the obvious pun. Um, but uh, being the last one hundred and one, being the uh, going into the winter months for us here in the northern hemisphere, this is uh, it's uh, we wanted to talk about death, lethality, finality, and. Uh, where it sits in your game, mm -hmm. how to deal with it as a storyteller. Um, it's definitely one of those one of those things I see. I see a lot of questions about, like on r slash uh, dm academy, um, behind the screen, uh, on Reddit and whatnot, where people don't know how to cope with, like, well, I don't want to kill my players, or I did kill a player. Am I bad for having done so? Sorry, character, not player. Right. Don't kill your players. Don't kill your players. Um, unless they're being really annoying or they eat the last Cheeto. Mm. Um, but, uh, 
uh, it's 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 a big source of contention, especially for new storytellers. You know, like how do you? Well, you look at the CR ratings even in D and D. Like mm-hmm. when you're a brand new DM and you're 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 running D and D, you look at these CR ratings and you think you're doing the right thing, and then you get them in the room with your players and you're like, oh god, I'm murdering them. Yeah, um, something bad just happens, and 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 that's that's like especially D and D. You know. I, I do want to like address D and D like specifically at the mm-hmm. beginning of the, any discussion about death because it's it's a gateway game to for a lot of gamers. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's most people's first game, especially nowadays with its um, rising popularity and accessibility. Well, completely, yeah. Um, and also, you know, uh, a lot of people watching Critical Role and and you know other various media and stuff like that. It draws them in. It is the tissue of choice. Yeah, it's the it's, it's the it's the soup du jour. Yeah. Um, but especially D anD D, it's largely about killing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we've, we've talked about this on the on the show before about how it's like you know ninety percent of your class abilities are just new, interesting ways to. Uh, deal damage or avoid damage or manipulate your enemies in combat so that you can do more against more damage them. yeah yeah um and it's it's either about gaining the advantage in in in, in combat or outright performing combat mm-hmm. you know um and then you look at the challenge rating levels like you were just saying earlier um challenge rating in its own essence is all based off of the experience that you would gain from killing that monster. Mm-hmm. So once again, the assumption of all of your challenge ratings is based around death. Yeah. Um, and that creates a mechanical incentive to choose violence mm-hmm. in Definitely. those instances of like it. There, there's a supposition that you are going to get into combat, and that combat is going to be lethal for your enemies. Mm-hmm. And you will move on to the next combat encounter after that. Yeah. And how much role play you want to sprinkle in is entirely up to your group, you know? Yeah. Now, I'm going to put something at a caveat at the beginning of this that I, I deliberately left out of our discussion. Mm-hmm. But I, I want to put it here is that we are not going to discuss, because I think it's a 202 level thing, what death and lethality means to your plot on the other side. We are going to focus on the players and the characters side of this. Okay. For this discussion, because... There's a whole thing to be said about my players just wiped my big bad evil guy. Oh, what yeah. What do I do now? Sure, sure, sure. What sure. does that mean? And, and should that be a thing? Should your players, you know, are you a bad person for letting your players go on a murder spree and be murder hobos? Yeah. I, mean... I think I think there's a 202 level discussion that really has that talks about how what that talks about within story, within your players, and other things. But <laughs> you, let's focus back. You are correct on both counts. That is a 202 discussion, and we are not going to do it We are not tonight. going there. Um, so focusing back a little bit to what you're talking about in regards to mechanics, it's hard to then decide if there is a purpose within a story that isn't D&D, that's, a, that's, a, that's another narrative-based uh, system, to talk about what is the purpose then is because is we if you remove from D and say it's not the mechanics we're mm-hmm. not playing a board game that's about murder right yeah sure so now now we're stepping back into story we have to reference that and say okay what are we trying to store when we're talking about lethality mm-hmm. like what are we expressing why, why do we put death in the cards at all correct, of correct. a possible outcome exactly yeah. it you know obviously killing is a form of showing strength and power mm-hmm. it makes on the other side of the coin, it is making the PCs feel like they are threatened. 
it's giving a sense that they can feel threatening. Sure. As well. And in either way, that raises the stakes. Yes. You yes. know? Be- because, because I mean, de- death is such a such a grand and final consequence. But it's also easy. It it is. It is it super is. easy. Um, it, but I mean that that's a that's 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 a bit of a discussion for later. But yeah, no, it's 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 a bit cheap. Yeah. But it is extreme. It's accessible. Yeah. Because everybody understands it. Mm-hmm. Whether or not they've experienced it, I'm not going to go there again. That's a two hundred two level discussion sure. about you know whether or not your players have experienced death or seen death or worked with death. Um in multiple fields, everything from EMS to military and whatever you want to go into. Um, but it has that natural thought because you're there and you're, there's a, the, the concept of loss becomes the stress that goes in there. You know, I'm going to lose ground. Mm-hmm. You know, we see that all the time. Sometimes it is also just the space of the story. If I'm in aliens in the universe, I don't even have to start a game. The moment you tell me, hey, we're going to be playing in the Aliens universe, I know that the story like, is oh, dangerous. Oh, cool. Three of us won't make it out of your game. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you know. I know that. Like, you know, there is literally settings and themes that Cal- immediately Cth- tell you that. Yeah, Call of Cthulhu has that, has that reputation, too. Of yeah. Just like, you know, come come with a stack of investigators because uh, yeah. they're either going to go mad or they're going to get killed. Yeah. yeah, I mean, dread. The word dread tells yeah. you that you're already in a stressful situation that is probably going to lead to a high level of lethality. Yep. Yeah. The game paranoid, like you're 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 already starting down a path. Para- paranoia front loads you with six clones because there's just an expectation. Yeah, and and that's the <laughs> thing. Several is, is times there are sometimes when the system kind of addresses it, but really it's the theme. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a darn good chance that you're just not going to make it out of this, and and you're probably going to have to have another character. Sure, sure, right. Um, but then you run the the big C consequences yeah and that's that's usually where you hear most discussion of like death in your role-playing games you know based around like death should be on the table as a consequence if you you know making bad decisions like Mm -hmm. if you choose to walk into that room and you know tell the uh you know tell the the red dragon something about its mother Mm -hmm. uh and it breathes fire on you guess what that's Mm -hmm. your own doing that's your bad decision making there um there's a lot of times where like puzzles and stuff like that will be, you know, will have lethal consequences. You know, think Indiana Jones. Mm-hmm. The ceiling is coming down and it's got spikes out of, coming out of it. And if mm-hmm. you don't succeed on that search check or whatever to find the secret lever that makes the thing stop, well, then you get crushed to death. Sorry, that's just how the, that's yeah. what it says here in the module, you yeah. know. Then you have like this, the concept of just boundaries, game boundaries. Mm-hmm. 7C, I'm going to be going through a porte gateway to another place and there's a space in between that if i open my eyes there is no other rule you're just gone i love that in in it says uh if you open your eyes take the person's character sheet and if you're feeling especially cruel tell them what they see yeah um (laughs) yeah there's some that actually state that like you should just blend the character sheet just it's gone that character can exist it is gone yep you know um and it and I put that on a scale of that as a hard boundary. Mm-hmm. Like this game is meant to be heroic. Your characters are supposed to be heroes and the good guys. And one of your characters just goes out and starts goes on a murder spree, mm-hmm. wiping the whole town out. Uh, okay, well that character's gone. Sorry. Yeah. Like yeah. Figure yourself out. 
and make a different character because that yeah. is not what we're playing here. Because you've gone off the deep end yeah. and that character is no longer a hero. They are a villain. Mm-hmm. I may confiscate them and bring them back as a villain NPC later, but probably not. It's making an example of that situation. Yep. You know? Yep. And th- that's that's consequences C and, and boundaries realistically in sure, my mind. Sure, But there is an extreme point to this where it is no longer extreme. It is just the acceptable norm. Morkborg is an example, like we talked about with some of the other systems, where literally it's what you want. It's a roguelike game. We're yeah. just going into the grinder. Oversaturation of death is a thing that actually works for Morkborg's uh, uh aesthetic Mm -hmm. because it's like the end times life is cheap death is easy like um i was reading but i didn't get a chance to go and look it up yet somebody said that there is a starship trooper style morkborg game where the players are actually sitting at the command level and they a mission comes up they grab a team and then they play as the team through the meat grinder for oh, successes and failures. It's like Starship Troopers meets Darkest Dungeon. Yeah. Oh, that's wild. But but you have a team. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you're trying to keep the good. So it's a little board gamey in an RTS sense, and that's it. But you're still there doing it live. All right, get get Wayne June on the uh, on the on the line, and we'll we'll talk about yeah. running that. The other thing that kind of gave me was XCOM vibes. Mm-hmm. You know, where you're just randomly slotting in and. People can play other characters. It's literally just a very simple class. You're going to do this thing. And there is plot that's going on, but you're sitting at a high enough level that you know everything. There's no secrets between the individual characters. That's interesting. We'll have to look into that a little bit Yeah, later. I thought that was kind of a cool idea. But again, it's a, it's a meat grinder game yeah. with some high-level storytelling that can still be done. But like you, you know that going in. There's no investment in those characters. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, but I think like you, it's, it's possible to... like take it when it's not part of the setting yeah um and if you like game of thrones for instance mm-hmm. your what fan is... is going to town on my laptop yeah yeah it is wow sorry if you guys can hear that i can it's, hear uh... it i get through here through my headset i apologize oh my I, I don't know what it's we'll figure this out before right next now. show sorry about that okay um but uh downloading updates i'm sure yeah i don't know i don't know <laughs> um but uh like Game Game of Thrones really numbed me to it, you okay. know. Where like during the first season, it was very shocking because it was like, oh wow, like they they killed Ned Stark like right out of the bat, and you're mm-hmm. like, oh man, I was really attached to that character. Holy cow, nobody's safe. Anybody can die at any moment. And then like by season three, you're just like, uh, I mean, look, I like this character, but I'm not getting attached. They're gonna they're gonna be dead three three episodes from now. And lo and behold. Yeah. Someone sticks a sword in them three episodes later, and you just feel nothing, you know? Yeah. And it's possible to hit that level of saturation in your role-playing games as well. If, you know, if you're just throwing death out that cheaply, you know, you you severely harm the narrative impact that it mm-hmm. has, mm-hmm. And the dramatic impact that it has. Mm-hmm. So it's it's something you, you kind of want to, like, you know, apply it, apply it a little... Well, it... it conservatively. If, it, if there know? is anything to say... Exceptional death destroys the narrative. Yeah. It, that That's the truth, because death is the end of a story. Exceptional death is the end of the story. Mm-hmm. Because nobody has an investment. They just, they're just losing it. So, I, let's just keep rolling with it. I'm, it'll figure itself out, yeah, I think. I, I don't think you actually good. have a problem. I think it's, it's doing something in the background. Huh. All so, right. in any case, so... 
does it have to be this way? No. Is the real question. No, there's plenty of there's plenty of options for storytellers for consequences that are not lethal. Exactly. That are that feel just as much. Um and and I think you know, taking a moment, each individual storyteller, each individual story that we are telling, it's very valuable to just ask yourself, how lethal is my story? Mm-hmm. You know, or how lethal will it be? Um, and not only not only when creating your story, you know, I, I mean, I think when you know, obviously, when creating your story, when you're like sitting down and going like, okay, what sort of story am I going to tell? Is this going to be like Game of Thrones level? You know, mm-hmm. death was around every corner. Or is this a survival story where mm-hmm. death, you know, could be behind every cliff face or in every cave, mm-hmm. dangling from every tree or something like that? Um, or is this more of a lighthearted romp? Mm-hmm. You know, is this more of a high heroic story where, like, death is a very deep and dramatic and very rare thing for yeah, people get kicked out of windows characters. all the time, but they'll be back in the next scene. Sure, sure, exactly. Um, and, you know, also I think it's very valuable to ask your players what they want, too. This isn't a one-person decision. Right. Um, for instance, uh, I had this conversation when we moved over into Savage Worlds. Mm-hmm. Um, we decided collectively that we were going to play with a special rule called Heroes Never Die. Mm-hmm. Um, it removes the bleed-out mechanic when you take four wounds. Mm-hmm. Ordinarily, it's kind of like your death saves yeah. um, in, in Savage Worlds. And it essentially removes all of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, which basically makes it impossible to die unless you look the storyteller in the eye and go, I think I would die from this. Are you sure? Are you sure? Yeah. Yeah, I think I'm pretty sure. I think I think that was a lethal blow. Okay. How do you want to do it? How do you, yeah. Do you have any last words? You know, et cetera, et cetera. And you go, you roll, you roll through that. Um, but other than that, yeah, you're just, you're basically, you're just incapacitated. You'll get better. You'll mm-hmm. be back next scene, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, not that it won't come with any sort of complications or anything like that, but death is not going to be the result of your wounds. We played through the first little plot part, and mm-hmm. we wanted to use that as a safety net. Yeah. Um, because we weren't used to the combat rules and whatnot, and we didn't want, you know, to... Going into a new system, you didn't want to be ignorant to the rules and that be the cause of your character's death. That felt cheap. So we used it as a safety net at first, but then once we were all kind of used to Savage World's rules and how our characters performed in combat, um, I revisited the question and said, do we want to continue with this? And overwhelmingly, you guys all said yes, because you were more interested in continuing the story and telling the narrative about your characters and with your characters than worrying about death. You know, it wasn't it wasn't a game about surviving in lethal circumstances. Mm-hmm. It was a game about a group of comrades in the Elder Scrolls settings and what shenanigans they get up to. Exactly. Death wasn't an important factor to you guys. No. And so you wanted to keep the safety net. And I actually voted to remove it. Uh-huh. But you all wanted it there, and I said, "Okay." I mean, it's I don't I don't want to remove it so badly that I want to force this upon you. Yep. So yeah, we're playing with heroes never die. Yeah, you know, will it carry to the end? We don't know. I don't know. Uh, I think we discussed maybe you know keeping it through Act Two and removing it for Act Three because mm-hmm. that's going to be like the last the last act of my game. You might as well at that point. Yeah, y- you might as well because you know it it might. Who knows? The stakes might be higher that way. You that's know? right. Um. But it's good to have these conversations with your players of, like, how much do you want death to be a thing, you know? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. 
And every game is different, you know? Without a doubt. I mean, you've got... You, you do have levels between You Don't Die and Meat Grinder. Yes, there are, yes. There are various <laughs> levels in there, and they can shift a lot. Yes, yes. You're not tied to anything. I mean, Mork Borg, you're kind of tied to it. The system literally tells you you're gonna die twice. This no is literally the end of the world. Yeah. You will not be remembered. Make a new character so you can be back in the action before the corpse if your old one is cold. Exactly. And, and Paranora during character creation is reminding you that you're making mistakes and will die <laughs> yes so so it's it's there but like paranoia gives like like i said earlier gives you six clones mm -hmm. of your character that will be replaced immediately upon death with all of their old memories uploaded to them right so you can continue playing immediately from the point at which you last died right because it's just assumed you're going to get killed multiple times yeah and then you, you have fluffy games, like Pokemon. Yeah. Those trainers aren't dying. Yes. Those, those Pokemon aren't dying. It's not that kind of game. No. It's, it's a game about hope. It's a game about friendship, overcoming hardship through dedication, mm -hmm. um, teamwork, mm -hmm. and a big, bright, happy world. Like, when have you ever seen a gloomy Pokemon, you know, picture? Like, maybe a picture of Lavender Town from the first game or yeah, something like yeah. that. But even then, it's like bright lavender purple with a big grinning Gengar, you know? Sometimes you do have death that's important. Like the guy who was in the ghost uh, temple. Where oh. We, where he went to go find his... Yeah, that's, that's the, Lavender Town, yeah. yeah. Uh, he's, in, he's in Pokemon Tower. But um, it was part of the story. It, it was they, a... I guess it's been officially confirmed that that's not true, but it is my headcanon, and screw you, it's true. Sure, there you go. Uh, Gary, Gary, Gary loses his Rattata, or and his, his Raticate, and... Uh, and and has to take him to Pokemon Tower to bury him. Yeah. I I will die on that hill. I think it's a great idea. I will absolutely die on that hill. But even then, though, it's not explicitly stated. No. And even Pokemon Tower is a even though it is filled with ghost type Pokemon and tombstones for 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 them. It's it's like it's not really mourned. Like we don't really focus on the death part. It's like oh, there's ghost Pokemon here. Did you want a Gengar? See, did you I, want a Haunter? I would you know? love for them to do like the Valhalla. Of Pokemon, where mm -hmm. you have, like, these warrior trainers who have warrior Pokemon who just have a totally different mind frame of, like, we go to battle together. Yeah. You know? And, you, you know, it, it would just, it would put a different spin on it. Yeah, it's, it know, could. The it glories could. of battle. But I submit to you, though, that that might not be Pokemon anymore, yeah. you know? It might just not finish, you know, it might, it might not fit the uh, fit the, 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 the feel, you know? The worst thing that's typically going to happen in your game of Pokemon is your Oddish gets a little roughed up by Team Rocket and they steal your lunch money. Yeah, that's true. You know, well, they slap him back at the ball because he's got to stay there to get, you know, exactly. Or has to go to the nurse. You take you him know? to Nurse Joy, she makes them all better, <laughs> mm -hmm. and you try again. Yeah. You know, uh, death and lethality, not on the board no. at that point. No. Um, and then, like, you run 7C, mm -hmm. which is. Which is your Three Musketeers, Golden Age of, of heroism, swashbuckling. People are going to get stabbed, shot, you know literally aimed at with cannons, mm -hmm. right? And the NPCs are gonna get murdered by the dozen, injured in in severe ways, dramatic ways. Sure. The whole concept of a dramatic wound, you know. But your character doesn't die to a bunch of brutes with clubs. Right. You know, your the, 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 the villain doesn't die to rebelling villagers, right? Mm-hmm. Heroes a... can kill villains 
only villains can, can kill, kill heroes. heroes. And that is the way the game is played. It yeah. is a, but it is explicitly stated. That is the session zero understanding that you will not die to a henchman or a brute. It's uh, it's a bit like a gamified version of that uh, that quote from Mal Reynolds in uh, uh, in Firefly, where yeah. he's like, "If if if you know if I if I come for you, you're gonna be facing me, and you're gonna be armed." Yeah, yeah. You know, it's never gonna be a knife in the dark that does your character in cheaply. It's never gonna be a pit trap rolling a little too much damage, and oh, you just fell to your death. Yeah, sorry. And, and that's how I've 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 kept that concept through all of my games yeah. that I enjoy because I want my players to feel like the only way that they're gonna get taken down is through the motivation of their player doing something exceptional. Yeah, yeah. Either one way or the other, right? And it's those types of things where then you can push the boundaries. I remember a 7C game where I was playing, and one of the players was an Aizen. He was a old Aizen, uh, like, sub-sub-prince kind of a thing. Like, mm-hmm. barely had any lineage, but he felt the proudness of his family. And this henchman and his men show up, and he's like, all right, you'll be taking him to the villain, basically. and Because they had captured us all in a fight, and he's just, you know, the rest of us are all gone. But he has... He has still sitting around with dramatic wounds. Like, he's got wounds that he's just been soaking because he's got so much soak that he can pull down. Sure. And one of the things you can do is you can spend your drama to soak. Mm -hmm. I mean, you still take the wounds, but you're soaking. The next time you take it, you have the other wounds and the new ones to keep going. Yep. And so the the one guy hits him. Like, the brute hits him, and he goes, I'm soaking it. And he he rolls and soaks it. Mm -hmm. And he's just like, so, you know, and he spits out some blood. He's like, is that the best you can do? And then, of course, you know, the next big guy hits him to try and knock him out. And he just, he, he fails it, but he spends a drop. He's, I'm soaking it. So now he's up to, like, 120 wounds. He's oh not going to get the God. next one. And so the henchman comes in at that point and basically, you know, the, we all thought it was fantastic that he was basically staring down because he wanted that henchman to come back in. Uh-huh. He wanted the scene to be that guy doing it. Yeah. And really hurting him so that the villain would say something about it because he wanted him brought in. Mm-hmm. and like he's just like you know you're gonna have to take out at least two teeth kind of a thing and the guy just literally grabs the the end of a musket and bashes him to knock him out and he's just like i'm not even gonna roll i take it yep i go, I go down and it's like three or four dramatic wounds oh it right would have just yeah. put him right out yeah. like but it wasn't gonna kill him mm-hmm. but it definitely would make ruin his day and we all just clapped at the scene because he was playing his character yeah he yeah. was staring down death and not giving two gents yeah basically is what it came down to yeah and but you can't have those scenes when the mechanics specifically tell you how death has to happen. Mm-hmm. But if you can set the rules to say, it, this is how death happens, but only under this condition. Yeah. Then yep. then you open up that door to let your players just push that envelope. Sure. Completely. Sure, absolutely. So... Um. So I guess we should we should talk a little bit about the 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 elephant in the room in any discussion about death, especially for one hundred and one mm-hmm. discussions about death, and that is, okay, uh, how do you handle the death of a character? Suck it up, roll around in the dirt. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, first off, I uh, I mean let's let's all acknowledge. I mean, it can be a hard moment for the player. Um, yeah, we we all get attached to our characters. Um. And it, it can be it can be a little rough for a player to lose their character. Well, I also think a lot of it has to do with circumstances of how quickly they can accept it. 
Yeah. It's getting, it's funny, getting to the acceptance point can be quite mm-hmm. challenging. Often there are stages before it. Denial. <laughs> Grief. Bargaining. Yeah. yeah. And and all, you see all those Anger, things, you know, whether or not those, you know, I'm sure the psychologists, uh, you know, who are listening to us are going, you, you know, those aren't real. Like we've, we've proven those stages don't actually exist. But it, they do, those moments do still happen. Like, no, 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 that can't be happening to my character. The dice couldn't have done that. No, I couldn't have, I guess that's the case, but, but like, do I have this to be able to mitigate it? No, we don't, we, we can't do that. Well, what about this spell? No, I, I, I've already used up all my spells. Crap, crap, crap. You know, you're, you're rushing to the moment of re- recognition that it's happened. And then once it's there, it's, okay, it's happened. Now... What does this mean to the narrative for that player? Mm-hmm. You know, and how do you how do you respond at the table as the character, as the players around, as the DM? Yeah, sure. You know, and I mean, I think this is where you you really have to look at um, every story, every setting, every table is going to be a little bit different about this one. Yeah, um, and you're going to need to consider you know consider what what place death has in your story. Um, you know, I mean, if the theme is gritty realism, you know, if things are dangerous and lethal, this might be expected. It's tough, but, you know, suck it up. We move on. This is a game of Alien. You know, this is a game of, of, uh, Morkborg. Like, okay, buddy, you kind of knew what was going to happen when you walked in here. It says, Mm -hmm. it says, don't bother giving your character a name in Morkborg. You know, (laughs) what did you think was going to happen? I mean, I want to say years ago now, Mm -hmm. I I told the story of the guy who, who brought someone into the game just to kill their character and have them leave the game to show that the game was lethal. Like he wanted it to be in plot. Interesting. Yeah. The, the other players did not know. He was just, he was an add-on, but he explicitly told him ahead of time, he's like, I am going to kill your character. Mm-hmm. It's going to happen in-game. That's the whole purpose you're here. And he, he was down for it because he realized that he wanted the game to have weight. And the other person agreed. He's like, based on your story and where you're going with this, you really want this death to feel like it. He's like, yeah, my players are, are murder hobos who run around like, you know, like steel battalion against paper enemies. Yeah, And yeah, I want yeah. these people to feel that, the villain is real, that the villain will murder you, and there is, it is not going to be kind. And it worked. Yeah. It changed the scope of their game. Now, I'm not saying everyone should do something like that, but I definitely think it was a bold move. Sure. To have that and just have that player be like, yeah, that was too much for me. Uh, you guys have a good night. Thank you. Um, I'll, I'll see you guys in the next game when you guys have another Session Zero. I always appreciate your storytelling. And they, he just walked, and all the players were just like, Oh my, like, he was here, and it was session five, and you murdered his character. said, yeah, he he did something dumb and bold. Uh Uh-huh. And the villain took care of it. And there are consequences for that in this world. Yeah. Oh, that's a consequence that's possible? Suddenly I'm recalculating everything. Yeah. Bingo. Yeah, there you go. There you go. Um, you know, and, and, and from the other side, though, you know, you consider if you're like if your theme is more narrative if you are playing something like 7c or you know like like my tamriel game where we're not really worried about the death and you know the death being a consequence um you know consider consider options uh i mean if resurrection you know does resurrection exist in your story mm-hmm. it doesn't in mine but it does in in mainline D D. yeah um could something other than death have happened mm-hmm. you know just because a character drops 
to zero hit points or wounds or you know whatever whatever game you're playing whatever measurement of mm-hmm. of of uh you have hit the dirt there is um can you do something else with that can you fade to black and have them like wake up in a jail cell yeah can you have them wake up you know uh as the rain patters down on their on their face and they're you know it's 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 hours later and somehow there's just like a dog licking their face and they're like yeah, and oh they're in the ashes of the building under debris yeah yeah um so uh, just just unconscious um there's also walk. the i saw you die no you saw me fall right you know <laughs> airbags can you believe it <laughs> yeah and and like we've had a lot of fun with that one that's a, that's actually a core one of the core mechanics uh um in or abilities uh, adventure yeah uh, well, it's a it's a mechanic anybody can do. Right. The ability just allows you to spend a lot more points bullshitting your way through a death. That makes sense. Okay. Um, and uh, in uh, from Adventure Tales, the Aeon Society, mm-hmm. uh, at least the White Wolf version of it. I yeah. don't know what uh, uh, Onyx Path. I think it is. Is yeah. I don't, I don't I know. Think what that sounds I don't right. know what they're doing with it. Um, yet they haven't produced the book yet. Uh, but I'm in the Kickstarter for that, so I'll find out. I can't wait. Um, but you know, your players can have a lot of fun of like, you know, okay, explain to me how you escaped. Yeah. And I mean, most players are going to just crack their knuckles and go, okay, so no, there I was. Yeah. <laughs> so the guy shot me, right? Yeah. Right. And I ended up going through the wall, right? Okay. So what happened? And then. You know, I fell down because that paper wall puts you into the courtyard. Right, right? but there was an awning that broke my, my fall, fault. and then I landed in a bush. Right, so now I'm in that bush. But what you saw out there was one of the actual Yakuza guys who was down there underneath. You just couldn't tell in the rain that it wasn't me. Yeah. You know, and that's where he put the extra three bullets into the Yakuza guy who was down there. I was just in the bush unconscious. Yep. And that's that. That's legitimate. <laughs> there you go. You know, and and you can you can have fun with this. Mm-hmm. You can have fun with this. And uh, like I think um, I think it's Dungeon World. Uh, like also suggests like have some consequences for things. Like okay, so cool. You do survive, but maybe in that fall, one of your prized possessions broke. Yeah, like an athletics check where you're climbing instead of outright failing and just falling to your death because you're in a chain with people. Your your bag falls and you go to grab it. You don't fall, but you have to let go of the bag. Otherwise, you will. So you right. let go. Right. You know? Or things start tumbling out of so it. So pick three things out of your inventory and remove them. Right. And those are the things that you lost, you know? Yeah. Um, There's there's a lot of different ways to, to levy consequences on them and still continue the story and have fun with it. Death doesn't always have to be your option, you know? Yeah. One of the ones that got me was the, uh, the, the climb where... Uh, the one of the characters just had a terrible athletics score, but was trying to compensate with strength. Mm-hmm. Like any time an athletics fail, would say he'd be like, "Hey, I would I want to make a strength check." And the DM finally kind of, you know, because that was something that somebody had suggested. Yeah, yeah. Like, oh, you failed your athletics, but you could still hang. You could grapple the wall, basically. Yeah. And then recover. Mm-hmm. And so after the second one of those, he was just like, uh, he, the guy uh, made his strength check, but didn't make his net next athletics check. Mm-hmm. To be able to continue moving. He's like, well, I'll just make it next round. He's like, actually, you can hear something. It sounds like metal. You look down to see your pouch caught on a stone as you were trying to hike yourself up, and it's tore, and your money is just pouring out. Oh, no. Yeah. Do you want to reach for it? And he's like, what does that mean? You release your grapple. Check. Yeah. So with the wall, and he's just like, hmm. he's like, your guys can throw you a rope. 
but that's your athletics check at a at an advantage. Yep. Then you can climb the rope, but your money is just pouring out. Yep. Pouring down the cliffside. Yep. That's a great consequence. Yeah. Uh, and one of the like, I, I would say one one of the other things is leaving the door open. Yeah. You know? I mean, you can absolutely kill a character, but I, I think like uh, so recently in in Critical Role, um, one of the main characters died. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm, I'm not going to get into it for spoiler reasons because it is current season. Mm-hmm. But uh, there was a um. Uh, Matt Mercer was talking about it on Foresighted Dive, which is their their little after show um, mm-hmm. thing, and he was talking about how uh, he likes to leave the door open, essentially. Um, so if a character does die, you have a conversation with that character or with a player, and be like, "Hey, um, how do you you know how are you feeling about your character dying? You know, mm-hmm. is this?" Are you feeling like the character is done and you accept their death mm-hmm. and you want to make a new one, or do you do you feel like you still have more story to tell with them? Right. You know, and because if if you're still wanting that character to come back, I as the storyteller can make contrivances to allow for opportunities to like resurrect them, right? To come up, you know. Right. Um, and it's again, it's not a hundred percent. Mm-hmm. The players still need to go, th- you know, do the things to get that opportunity to happen. Mm-hmm. That might involve some exploration. It might involve some diplomacy or some um, sacrifice of something on their part to get you back. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, he does like these resurrection rituals where there's the roles involved, where there's a chance of failure mm-hmm. and the spirit might not even return, you know. So, again, it's not 100 percent. But at least he's he's willing as a storyteller to open that door and be like, I can make a cleric who can res you show up in some capacity. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, so that you'll at least have the chance to bring your character. The Miracle Max moment. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. There can always be that, especially if the story feels like it needs to have those things. Yeah, absolutely. I think, I think you should always keep that in mind. Absolutely. And and it, it just just having that that possibility, that's something to strive for, that's something to hope for. Yeah. Um can really soften the blow of losing a good character that you're really attached to. Yeah. And you should be having fun. Games are meant to be fun. Yes. Even when a character dies. This isn't a Situation where you're trying to prove a point or teach a lesson, you know. Yeah, you don't be like, I'm going to kill their character because this guy's a jerk. Yeah, (laughs) I've read that enough where it's like, no, then you're not having fun. You're being vindictive. Yeah. Have a conversation. Don't be vindictive. No one learns from someone being vindictive. Yeah. That's never worked once. There's no story where like, oh, man, he killed my whole family. Whew. That guy, uh, yeah, he taught me a hell of a lesson. I'm, I'm. Just, I will do better. Next I'm just going to do better. No, that doesn't happen. That yeah. calls calls for revenge yeah, every you're time. Just, you're just creating animosity at your table if you do that. Yeah, if it's a no, if it's a villain trying to prove a point, that's a perfect reason for them to do murder. Sure, but oftentimes that doesn't work out for the villain, mm-hmm. and that's where those those moments and contrivances can come from. Yeah. Um. So let's scale this up a little bit. Okay. Not just losing one character. Oh, the TPK, the total party kill. The total party kill. The the quintessential elephant in the room about yeah. any lethality discussion here. Yeah. Uh, new new and old storytellers fear this. Yeah, OSRs. I feel there's a mixed mixed bag on that because mm-hmm. some OSRs do run rogue like, where it's like 
the adventure either happens and be, and someone survives, or you know, or you you prepare and you have multiple character sheets. Oh yeah, sure. Look, I mean, again, this is going to be you know the the impact of a TPK is always game dependent. Mm-hmm. You know, if you mm-hmm. if you TPK an OSR game, I think that's kind of I don't say expected, but yeah. like it's it's on the menu. Yeah, you know, it's but, it's that style of game. And I think the TPK as a statement is often put with it is not expected. Right. This isn't something that the players knew about, so it's going to be frustrating. Right. There, gonna... there, there was a whoopsie somewhere, either right. in the characters, in the players, in the in, dice, in, whatever. The, in the dice, in the storyteller setting up the encounter, um, and and you start you start kind of going through like the the, the checklist of like where did the breakdown happen? You know, yeah. did I add too many or too powerful monsters? Are are the PCs equipped to deal with this threat? You know, um, How if did... they if they aren't. Are they gonna be? Are they gonna dig in mm-hmm. and decide to fight to the death, or are they gonna actually flee? Well, it's you know, it's a it's a trap room, and they don't get the gimmick that's obviously the button on the wall to click to stop everything. Yeah, you know, it's it's the Indiana Jones where there's a hole here. There's got to be a lever in the inside, and the <sighs> other player just doesn't pull the lever because they want to role play that they don't like snakes. I almost wiped you guys as a party in the fire room. In the fire room because you didn't realize the gimmick was you just had to sit still and wait. Yeah. You kept trying different combinations of going into the fire and flipping switches, which makes the fire more intense and all you had to do was just stand there. Yep. And you know just it was just that simple. Yep. Literally do yep. nothing. Yep. Um and yeah, I mean it was I was <laughs> He almost lost a couple players, a couple characters there, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you've got this the, the phenomenon where like groups will decide, and, and possibly from a metagame standpoint, that um, you know they're intended to win every fight. So therefore, if combat breaks out, they will win. Therefore, they just need to double down on standing and fighting, you right? Know? Instead of running away, instead of running away and turning into yes. a chase scene or something like that, um, right? And so you'll have, you know, three people out of a four-person, you know, party dead, and the, that fourth person is standing there going, I don't understand. Why are we dying? What was I supposed to do? And you're like, dude, it is an Elder Red Dragon. This fight never should have happened. Right. Or you have the situation where you have so many brutes, so so much, so, so many numbers mm-hmm. that you're literally moving through. And there's no place to rest. Yeah. There's no place to take that moment and breather. And now your your players are ill prepared because in their mind they're like, Well, we could just take a short rest. You don't have the spells to do that to be able to protect yourself. Yep. That this isn't happening. Mm-hmm. Like you've got to keep moving. And you know, then you start asking yourself, like, is is this is this fun or is this frustrating, you know? Or are are the are the dice going to screw him over? You know, even if I do balance this encounter correctly, is this going to be something that like, uh, you know, they're they're just like going to roll very poorly? Yeah. Like I, for a while, like when we were playing fifth edition, um, I was uh, I was I was thinking we were still going to be playing fifth edition, mm-hmm. um, when we got to the current section where we're going to apocrypha, right? Right. And I had mind flayers lined up. To be something you would encounter over there because they're very they fit. Yeah, you know I'm even using mind flayer minis yeah, oh, to no, represent definitely. seekers. Um, so they were and I was just going to use them as straight up. I mean they're they're not going to be mind flayers like from you know the canon so that they're yeah, going to be Daedra, but right. you know, um, 
I wasn't going to change their abilities any. No, it fits within the framework. Yeah, exactly. But at the same time, Mivelers are dangerous as hell. They, they are. And you, but you're looking at these things and you're going like, okay, I mean, they don't have that, that great of an AC. They don't have that many hit points, ultimately. They've got a few scary spell-like abilities and stuff like that. But, like, they have the ability to one-shot people if you can grab onto them and take a big chunk out of their head. Mm-hmm. That's a death. That is a straight-up death right yeah. there, yeah. you know? And whenever you're putting something like that in your game, you're like, on one hand, okay, it's it's fits the narrative. It is uh, threatening. It will make you guys feel the danger of the encounter of like, oh, boy, what are we messing with here? But at the same time, in the back of your head, you're playing through the scenarios and going like, what if I roll a 20 and they roll a 1? Well, and that's the thing is, is that often systems that have lethality in them in a balanced sense, and I'll use the word balanced very lightly, sure. often have only two stages. Heroic players who are rarely at risk that then run equal risks against something and they just perish. Because yeah. that's it. It's a one-shot perish or you're successful. That's it. Mm-hmm. It's a duelist design. Yeah. Yeah. And the difference is in duels, it's rarely to the death. And and that is the key. Is if you can understand that about D&D, that duels are rarely to the death, you can scale your, your encounters appropriately. Mm-hmm. But most people can't think of it that way. Yeah. And then, and then you got to ask yourself, what, what happens if you do TPK the party? I mean, sometimes it's not so bad. I've heard some really great stories where, like, the DM TPKs and is, like, crushed and then watches everybody go, oh, my God, that was amazing. Let me let me ask you this, because um, I, I have an answer to this question, but I want to ask you first. Sure. Have you ever TPK'd a party? Once. 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 What was it like? Um, hilarious. Okay. Because they stepped into a situation... And it was the second round where they realized they made a critical mistake. Oh, no. Stepping into that situation. Like, I presented it as a deathly situation. Okay. To make them basically avert and go a different direction. And it was the, it's the Han Solo situation where he's running down the corridor after two stormtroopers, which are clearly running away from him. You don't have to chase them. Mm -hmm. They're (laughs) going away. You know they're going to go talk to somebody, right? And... Basically, they turned a corner, and there were 60 stormtroopers in the next room with heavy weapons in some cases, and and maybe even heavy armor, and they are all like, we got this. And they took cover and started doing things. That wasn't Star Wars, it was a, a D&D situation. Sure, sure. Fantasy. Um, and they, like, what do you do as a storyteller when there are literally 20 enemies in the room against four? It's not um, like they can disappear. Yeah, I mean, you just... So I just, I literally in two turns wiped two of the four mm-hmm. just out of movement and simple attacks. Yeah. And... it's a lot of income. And they attacks. were like, dude, someone's got to get over to me. And they're like, when? And, and do what? When? Right. You know, and within within two more turns, the last player was basically deciding to go down in a blaze of glory instead of bailing. Yeah. He wanted to die in the room and, you know, taking on. So they they surrounded him and he mm-hmm. just kept fighting. And so they put him down. Yeah. Yeah. And it it was ridiculous. The whole thing was ridiculous. At the end, they were just like watching that happen. They were laughing. 
Because they realized that it, the, the the dice weren't against them. There was nothing wrong. They, they made a tactical error they and a, they paid for they it. They made a ridiculous tactical error. And then they were just like, well, that explains a lot of the bones in some of those places. And it was like, well, <laughs> you yeah. literally walked into a place where there are guys who have killed so many people that they haven't even had a chance to ki- clean up their yeah. kills. Yeah. <laughs> well, at least they were all in good spirits about it. They I mean, were. That's, they that's were. Good. And and I was able to shift the story at that point that they were captured and, mm-hmm. and basically meant to be cooked. Gotcha. You know, and stripped of their gear and everything yeah. like that. And then and, the story continues. From right. Because now you turn it into an escape from captivity thing. Yeah. Kind of, actually. They made a deal with a big bad guy to work for him for a while. Hey, which sure. Which worked fine. It, the sure. story didn't go from there, but the TPK was hilarious. Yeah. Um, but the whole point was, was that I watched them do it to themselves, and they actually kind of enjoyed it out to the end yeah sure sure great uh i i had one tpk um and it was the last session of my game mm-hmm. uh, and it was it was like going to be the last yeah session i remember this yeah uh the the setup was there was a lich's phylactery that was created by the gods and um so therefore no mortal hand could destroy it uh, and so they were, they, they'd done some investigation. There was another NPC that was, that was helping them out with it. Um, basically said like, yeah, you don't have to actually destroy the thing if you can put it somewhere where not even the bad guys can get it. Mm-hmm. And, uh, there was this giant, like, imagine the Sarlacc pit mixed with a black hole. Sure. Um, in the abyss, mm-hmm. in, in hell, you know, basically. And they're like, yeah, there's this demon that is like that. Um, he's like the world devourer or something like that. And if you can chuck this thing into its mouth, not even demons will be able to go in and get it out. Right. Uh, and so there was this long journey to go down into and find his lair and go in there. And I'd put a Merolith demon okay. in uh, sort of this like chapel out front of where his chamber was. And she was protecting the master's chamber. Um, and uh, she was like... There was a party group was like level fourteen or something like that, and she was like challenge rating seventeen or something. So, uh, just absolutely um, wiping the walls with them, and uh, they got actually my ex's character into the chamber, and kind of gambled that the Merlith wouldn't follow her in. Um, that uh, they she would stay out and fight that she wouldn't go you know into his into his chambers and. Uh, that gamble paid off because she basically stayed outside and killed the rest of the party while my ex chucked this thing into the mouth of the demon and went in with it basically to make sure that it it got, you know, mm-hmm. deep enough in where it needed to be. And so there was this moment where uh, they all had these, like, kind of tattoos on their arms that gave them all, like, lifelink with each other. Mm-hmm. They could sense the direction and the general well-being of all of their allies. Okay, And, uh... Uh, so she was in the master's chamber trying to figure out how to get this thing into its mouth and survive and felt the last one of her allies wink out. So she just went for it. And there was this great heroic moment where like they all linked hands and was like, none of us are making that out of here. You realize that, right? Mm-hmm. Well, it was good serving with you. Yeah. Like it's been a pleasure. Yep. And one of them stepped forward and took a hit for the next guy. Right. And just was blended. Right. You know. Instantly. Instantly. Yeah. yeah. Since she's she's in this chamber and she's feeling each one of them wink out and having this moment of this this heroic moment of like, okay, they they paid with their lives to buy me the time to get in here. I have no way to get out of the abyss. Yeah. 
I might as well just go in with it to make sure it gets to its destination and leaps into the mouth of this demon. With the thing in And, and I mean, we, when I say we had, like, cheers and high fives at the table for yeah. that TPK. Yeah. was just, honestly, one of the greatest. No, it's it's a beautiful yeah. moment, honestly. That's, that's movie-quality magic it right there. It really was. It really so. was. Yeah. So good. Yeah, I, I feel like at the end of that story, you're like, you know, it's been 50 years, and looking through the city... There are no statues. There are no plaques. No one knew. Yeah. Because life is okay. Uh-huh. And you're like, <laughs> but oh. You, but you know what else there ain't? What? A lich. Exactly. <laughs> because life is okay. Yeah. Life goes on. And you're like, okay, that made, that made it worth it. Right yeah. there. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was really good. It was really good. But in those kind of situations, you're you're just vibe-checking the group. Yeah. You're, you're looking to see where things are at, and sometimes in the moment you still have to take a breath. You have to let them soak it in to see where things are at, because it's amazing what a group will do with each other Oh, absolutely! during those moments, where somebody may feel completely cheated out of it. Everyone else will be like, dude, it's okay. It's cool. It's cool. This, this is, is a role-playing game. This stuff happens. Let's, you just, know? let's just roll with this. But So don't immediately feel you have to retcon. Yeah. But you have to roll this back in any way. So you can let what happened happen. Remember, once the eyes are closed on those characters, no one knows what happened. Right. You're the storyteller. You are in control of the situation. Like, very much like your story there. Like, mm-hmm. you didn't say, you know, you didn't write it in pen that those characters were dead. No. You know, that they had stopped breathing and ceased to be. No, they were all stabbed in various ways, but... Sure, I'm sure they were harmed all to hell. Yeah. But you looked at that TPK and went, all right, all right, the vibe in the room is we weren't... We made a tactical misstep. Right. We weren't prepared narratively to have a TPK. Right. And we didn't actually see anybody die. Let's all just say you were captured and we'll go from there. Right. And you have that power as a storyteller. Yeah. You know, and I literally made the 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 villain. I made a statement by the villain that was basically like, "No heroes would ever, you know, die this way." Who the hell are you? Kind of a thing. And he's like, and they were they all immediately took it as, "Oh my god, he thinks we're somebody else. He doesn't realize it's us." And I rolled with that. <laughs> he called us heroes. He doesn't realize we're a bunch of chocolates. Well, it was the opposite. Was <laughs> that like they had challenged him way long before, and they were oh. like, "We're just going to go do this thing," and his whole thought was like. Well, these actual heroes would never have done that, and they took it that way. And I was like, "Oh, so th- so he doesn't even know it's us." Okay, let's see if we can con him. And I was like, "Okay, let's roll with that." Mm-hmm, so, mm-hmm. but it takes away their agency. Yeah, the moment that you you set a hard thing or you retcon and be like, uh, "Okay, that didn't happen exactly that way," uh, don't just just continue the story. Yeah, yeah um, absolutely. You're in control. You are the storyteller. You have the final authority on this, but it doesn't end like we were talking about. It doesn't mean that death is death. Yeah, sure. You know, like we said earlier, you know, ask your character to describe how they cheated death. Um, there's like Dungeon World has that move where like you bargaining when, when you take your last breath, bargain with death. Yes. You yes. know, um, uh, maybe an ally comes to their aid. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I this is one I, I particularly like because I am I'm big on rewarding players and and characters for their actions in game Mm -hmm. you know uh if you guys go out of your way to befriend an npc i want that npc to feel like a tangible ally to you yeah you know that makes sense i want a good thing to come from you having put in the work to befriend that npc so you know maybe this is a moment where you look and you're like 
God, they have really been spending a lot of time hanging out with the captain of the guard of the major kingdom they're in. Maybe he rides in. Maybe they ride in. Yeah. yeah. You yeah. know, maybe this is a moment where they're like, yeah, we, we heard that there was some ruckus over here. Mm-hmm. And we found you guys all lying broken and beaten on the ground. Yeah. I love the chopper coming in thing. Yeah. You Medivac. Know, Medivac right. shows up and you're like, who the heck is this guy? Oh, it's not him. Your eyes closed. Son of a... Like, <laughs> and now you owe somebody something, <laughs> yep. you know? But that's the thing. But if you don't have death in the game, what are those consequences then? Right. How do you step on? How do you how do you take that next breath? And this is this is a big discussion. I actually just saw this discussion on Reddit of mm-hmm. like, you know, well, if you don't have death, what consequences are there? There are tons. The, like so many, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. um, as yeah, we could be exp- we could die or worse be expelled right well <laughs> and this is the thing like i i think that the, probably the one one of the biggest reactions i get when i tell people like that i play with the heroes never die special rule in my game mm-hmm. you know is like how do you have any sense of drama like what can you hold over your characters if you can't kill them yeah you know yeah like how, how are you supposed to threaten them how, how do your characters not just go like what are you gonna do you know come at me i'm invincible like first off characters don't know that we're playing with the heroes never die special rule so like so we all that. we all play as if it lethality were possible yeah and there's an understanding at my table because of that yeah i would say i've actually had to talk you guys out of being careful of death more often than i've had to talk you down it's from being true. brazen about it um and honestly like there's there's so many other other ways of doing this and and like yeah. de- using using death as your only as your only thing is just unimaginative unimaginative. There are us, so think, many like... so many more personal and connective things that you can do to somebody, and I think that's really where the weight comes in is understanding that not what... every consequence has to be mechanical. Correct. Yeah. That it's that narrative consequences can sometimes be way more damning. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So what are you gonna do? Kill me? No, I'm gonna send a letter to your mother. And and four pictures, all of them showing you being evil. Uh huh. You're you're gonna tell my mom I'm evil. Oh yes, I'm gonna show her in multiple oh, yes, ways because I know your mother holds a vast fortune, and I know you stand to inherit it. Yeah, and she'll also never ever invite you for dinner again after that. Mm-hmm. And, oh, oh, you know that boat in the harbor? It's gonna be leaving tomorrow. Yeah, you know, you will yeah. be here, destitute, dry, and without a penny to your name. Good luck. You know, but very much alive. Yeah, but very, very much alive to yes. remember all of these words. Exactly. <laughs> you know, that's, um, that's that's terrifying to some characters. I like, mean, the, the thing is, most players are going to get invested in your story in some way, regardless yes. of whether that's a you know space story, fantasy story, you know, super yeah. lethal story, or 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 just you're playing Pokemon or whatever. Mm-hmm. You know, they're going to be invested in that and they're going to fear losing like that npc ally or an opportunity to advance their character or a personal goal or a little kid's reputation with the kids at the orphanage yeah just to have one of those little kids go are you the baddie yeah oh my god (laughs) if they've if they've been taking care of those kids and seeing themselves as heroes in their eyes and then one day that kid just trembles at the door staring at them with blood on their hands and goes kids shrink back from the touch of his shadow and they're like oh no oh Oh, no i'm the bad guy oh yeah Yeah. and but again all of that comes down to proportional lethality 
Yeah. Uh, to to yeah. the reputation, to the tone of the story, to to the moment, if yeah. you will. And to the individual character, honestly. Like, yeah. different characters are going to value different things, you know? 100%. Um, like, my, my 7C character didn't give a crap about her reputation, honestly. No, no. You know, but uh, she's she's got kind of her own personal goals. She's got individual people she cares about disappointing. Yes. In the grand scheme of things, she could give a crap less what the world thinks about her. But there's like three people yep. that if they didn't like her would devastate her, mm-hmm. you know, and that's that's your consequence to pull on right there. Yep. And you did. You pulled on it several times, mostly because I had a background. That... No, but 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 that's the thing is that that, that game gave me who what your conscience was. Sure. I absolutely. love that about that. It helps that. Much and, you know, and then then I was, you know, I was the character that got like thrown in the brig for murdering a pirate, you know, yeah. by sniping him from, you know. Yeah. <laughs> when when the captain meters out of the, the good guy ship looks at you and says, that's still illegal. <laughs> like, right. <laughs> We're getting boarded by pirates. What did you expect me to do? Not that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I didn't expect that. And yeah. that was it's the wrong. Whole, whoa, whoa. It was <laughs> bad and you should feel bad. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. I don't get it, but okay. Yeah, and but that's, it's it's part of the world that is there, but not always obvious to everybody. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, but, the, but the big thing to important to, to remember is that, um, look, anytime you levy consequences on somebody... Of the non-lethal sort. Yes. Okay. Your consequences should, A, be proportional. I agree. Okay. Don't behead someone when a slap on the wrist is called for, okay? Snubbing someone at the party does not warrant a hit squat being put out on them. No, but also it's related to them. That's the second part that I would say is that it's definitely related. That right. snubbing at a party should feel like a social consequence. Sure. And it should it's, have not a... like, it's not like the guards should show up. Right. You snub them at the party, they're going to trash your reputation, which is a social faux pas for a social consequence. You Correct. Know? If they find, you know, they, if they fail to find an arrow trap, that is a physical failure. There will be, there's a very obvious and very immediate yeah. physical consequence. You to break it, you know? in, you get thrown out. Yeah. Like, it, it, you know, you break in and go to steal something like a cat burglar, you go to jail. Right. You know, even a villain will do that to you. Like, I don't have time for you. Here is the police. Have a nice day. Right. What, did you bribe them? No, you literally did grand theft at my home. <laughs> <laughs> He's got the police on his side. Yes, because he was right. Because <laughs> he was still right. Yeah. Um. Uh, but they. But your consequences should also be meaningful. Okay. okay. And and that's that's the, the, the big thing is finding. I think that's the hard thing. Finding the, the part in that, like, triangle of proportional, related, and meaningful. So, like, harming the reputation of a character that doesn't care about reputation isn't a consequence. No. Like, haha, you'll never work in this town again. Cool, I was leaving anyway. Like, yeah. I'm not going to be back here. Great yeah. consequence, you know? Yeah. Hit them where it's actually going to hurt them. Yeah. You know, if they're a social character, trashing their reputation is one thing. You're going to cut off social avenues for them. Without you know? a doubt. If they're a barbarian who doesn't even understand social reputation or something like that, you know, maybe hitting their standing with their own tribe or, um, you know, hit them physically. You know, uh, uh, do do something like get them beaten up, and you know, if if they're if they're the one who's like, "Rar, I'm the big scary barbarian. I can defeat anybody." Take them down a peg by by having them lose a fight. Well, well, the one that got you me know? in that was they don't. If if it's clear that they can't lose the fight, it doesn't mean that they can't lose other things. Like, you lost your voice. Mm-hmm. They hit you in the throat. What does that mean? Your taunts, your intimidation, 
your your bellowing war cries. All of that is gone. Yep. Until you can recover it. Yep. Some of that is psychological. Some of that's psychological, yeah. You know, just just figure out it's it's mostly about paying attention to your characters, paying attention to what makes them tick, what drives them, and then putting some sort of an obstacle in their way when you need a consequence. Yep. That is like I said, proportional and related to the to the faux pas, you know? Yep. Moral dilemmas get a little bit more questionable. This I would is my say. favorite consequence. I, it, it, I think it's. <laughs> I feel like moral dilemmas are a a two hundred two kind of level because it isn't. For some people, it's easy to see. That's true. But you it's have true. to read the group to know what really is a moral dilemma. If you've got murder hobos and you bring the police against them, they're going to justify their actions. They're not going to... It's just going to roll right on. So, I feel like moral dilemmas is a, is a stage up. It's that thing that if you can eventually figure out and you can make work, go for it. Because I feel that it is way... It, it is all of the pieces of the proportional, relatable, and meaningful all in one. I think it's it's doubling down on the meaningful. Um, So, to, to kind of get what, what I... Uh... I, I had written this into our show sheet, and you're probably right. This probably is more of a 201 thing. But, but I think it's a good thing to put at the end to say this is something that is, fits within this. In, in the, the the moral dilemma is essentially putting a um, – again, usually this only works in like narrative-heavy games mm-hmm. – um, is putting some sort of a consequence in there where um, choosing poorly doesn't have a direct consequence on the character other than – it's obvious you made the wrong choice and you should feel bad about this. Yeah. Uh, for instance, my vampire plot with you. I handed you a magical sword that was mm-hmm. specifically killed undead. Yep. I told you that a great darkness was brewing in the city. Mm-hmm. Didn't tell you what it was. Nope. Didn't tell you what you needed to do about it. Mm-mm. But I handed you a magic undead slaying sword and told you go solve the darkness in the city. You found out there were two vampires. Mm-hmm. And I would say right up to the very last moment, you were going to just smite everyone and let God sort them out. I very much felt that way. And one of them, I would say, is, was a good man. Mm-hmm. A good man who made a mistake. Yeah. And was honestly just trying to do right by the world. Um, and uh, you were about to kill him. And I was not going to stop you from doing that. Mm-mm. But I was going to make you feel incredibly crappy for having killed him. Oh, without a doubt. Without a doubt. I think the other thing that you did was you read the room Mm -hmm. of the other players of the situation, even my own moral dilemma, and stacked it so that it would be challenging to do. Yeah. Without it, I would have had to make a lot of other moral choices to do that. Mm Mm-hmm. Like, it would have had to have been a direct act with a lot of support. Yeah, your party was not... Did not have your back on that one. Nope. And there uh, were guards. There were other people in the room. What I what I had done um, on the contingency that you had decided to to execute him was uh, he handed a letter to his uh, to the, the the leader of the mages guild, mm-hmm. and that letter essentially exonerated you of his murder mm-hmm. and basically said like, yeah, I'm a vampire. I screwed things up. I the, the blood of several people is on my hands. Um, all of these are citizens that were, that were in my charge. I accept this fate. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, don't 
don't punish him for doing what probably should have been done a long time ago. Mm-hmm. So there was weight and, on both sides. And you'd have just lived lived with the fact that not only did you murder a good man, but he forgave you for it. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And it would have changed my character drastically. It already has. Oh, yeah. So. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. But, you know, just, just saying, just, just throwing it out there. That's a consequence you can give people is a guilty yeah. conscience. <laughs> Good luck with making that 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 work, and do not feel bad if you can't figure that out. That's true. That's it true. Is that, very, that is that is a one thing. It is a thing. complex thing. It requires you to have complex characters and be invested in the story. A lot of player buy in. Yeah, yeah. A lot of player buy in. And with you, I have that, so I yep. know I could pull it off. Yep. Mm-hmm. So this is the end of our one hundred and one series for this year. Yeah. Uh, it's kind of a big question mark of what we're going to do in the future. Are we going to continue the 101s? Are we going to move well, on to 201s? Or... I will say we've had a lot of good feedback from our Discord, yeah. which is wonderful to see. I've been so happy that I've seen some great ideas. We, we, yeah, some, yeah. Some people Absolutely. have had some ideas for our, our for what we should be doing next year. I, I kind of have some ideas. We've kind of went over a few of those together, yep. Um, talking about, like, do we want to talk about uh, altering themes of systems? Like mm-hmm. in the case of Savage Seas, doing throwing Seven Seas in Savage World. Yeah, why why are you moving it from one game system to another? What's the thought process there? How do you do it when you do it? You know, right? Yeah, working with that setting. But there's there's just as much out there for other systems that would work the same way. Mm-hmm. And I think there's a lot of possibility that we could we could migrate in that direction. There seems to be quite a bit of interest. Sure. So I, I like that, and we always need help with what the community really is looking for and i know it changes it ebbs and flows sure, sure we, we've sure, just sure. gone through covid where a lot of people weren't gaming and now gaming is is swinging back hard mm-hmm. um you know osr dms are a plenty but narrative dms are not yeah you know hopefully our our 101s helped people and got people moving uh into more narrative stories and kind of picked up on some of those things what can we do to make that better what what can we talk about that other shows aren't talking about or or directions that we can focus in that you can help us with yeah like don't and don't be shy either you know hit us up on on any social media that we're present on um we always give like our twitter and our instagram stuff that yeah our instagram by all means dm us on instagram if you've got stuff there throw stuff in comments whatever we see a lot of people join us on instagram and i would love to have to push out more content and help people there as well if you're not comfortable with getting a discord because i know discord is not for everyone Mm -hmm. so i totally get that totally totally get that uh but you know to juxtapose that we uh i mean we we have had i mean at least one user show up on discord and was like hi i am specifically here to suggest a game system for you guys to review like and it will go on the list it it (laughs) went immediately on the list so so we we love that we absolutely love Um, that if if you want to just show up on our discord and be like hi guys Guys, I will never talk here, but I wanted to drop you this one suggestion. Bye. Yeah. Hey, cool. Thanks. Thank you very much. Thank you for dropping in. Thank you for the suggestion. Thank you for listening to the show. I mean, we'd like to know where you came from and how you got to us and like what we can yeah, do better. We but want to get to know we will guys, take you know? we will take what we can we'd get love, from our for silent community. Yeah, absolutely. We have questions, but I think we answered a lot of these. All right, sure. You want to you want to like quick review them? So yeah. yeah. Killing a character. Is there a way to achieve the same purpose? Yeah, I think we kind of went over that. Yeah. Um, Was death and lethality like fingers on one hand? Can one be there without the other one? I mean, lethality essentially just means potential for death, so I don't think so. I think the potential for death and the consequence of death are two different things. 
because seventh C has a potential for death. The consequence is death is a specific situation. So yeah, I would I would say that they can be separate. I think they can be separated. Yeah, okay. Um, as a new GM, how can I show tell lethality in the world? Um, well, kill, kill NPCs. This is actually kill meaningful of, NPCs. Kill meaningful NPCs. So one one of my um, uh, I saw a breakdown of um, uh, how to put other adventuring groups in your um, in your show or uh, in your show um, in your game as essentially examples to other to to your to your your player parties. Yeah. Right. Uh, and one of those is the like the group that always fails before Mm -hmm. them Mm -hmm. you know like on your way into the dungeon you see them coming out of the dungeon and they're like you know pulling one of their one of their players on a or one of their one of their members on a uh, on a stretcher Mm -hmm. you know of like oh wow no there's something big and scary in there you guys shouldn't go in there you know learn learn from our failure don't don't go in there you know now they know that yeah one of the most successful ones i saw of that was a um uh a guy who uh basically hired the the you know had a secret person of the king hire adventurers who they they knew they had a name and a reputation because mm-hmm. they'd done a few minor things and that basically the session zero and session one were their minor things mm-hmm. to show that they were in the area they were from other places but they were in the area and so he hires them and literally every one of the adventures of the first like five adventures that they go on there are bodies and gear and they're like oh this is cool and then finally like Adventure four, oh, no. they find the identical writ on the body of an adventurer, and the the guy is not that old dead. Oh, and they realize no. that like he's just been sending squad after squad, and the money amount on that guy's is really not that much more than what they were making. Oh, and it's, no. so the the price has been going down too. Oh, that's rough. Yeah. Oh, that's rough. Yeah. And I, I, but I thought that was great that it showed lethality. Like, yeah. there's a good chance we're not going to make it. We're real lucky, is what's yeah. happening here. So, uh, so we talked about how to deal with character death. Mm-hmm. Um, so a bad roll happens and it leads to unwanted character death. As a GM, what should I do? Should I save the character? Should I no. let it die? Yeah, we kind of talked about that. Uh, how to, consequences. How to consequences. That. Yep. yep. Um. New, new, new person. Oh uh, yeah. Uh, J Genex. Yes. Uh, consequences are meant to slow down or handicap the players in some way. Agreed. Um, how can you create interesting or meaningful consequences for your players with it, without it feeling too cheap? Falling flat on their face or too harsh, getting seriously injured. It's about proportion. Look at what happened. What was the situation that they were in? What can you do proportionally that sits within that situation, like the like the gems, yeah, or the gold pouring out of his his pocket. Mm-hmm. That's not a game mechanic, but it definitely has meaning to someone who values money. Sure, and it's it's something that could easily happen on that cliff face. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. You know? uh, and I, I think I think the other thing too is like uh, without without going too far, because um, I th- I think that's probably the bigger fear mm-hmm. is not not how do I make it how do I make it sting, but how do I make it like not too far? You yeah. know. Uh, and I would say the first the first consideration you should always have is the playability of the character mm-hmm. once that consequence is in place. Yep. You know, um, and this is why like I've never liked the idea of like a cleric losing their spells if they go against their god or something like that. Yeah. Um, 
always want to give that at least a, a, a handful of foreshadowing if you're going to pull something like that, that, like, you are on the wrong path and your god isn't happy about it, you know, don't just have him wake up the next morning and not be able to cast spells, because that takes a cleric and over something that may be a mystery to them. They may not even realize what they did wrong. Yeah. They, it's definitely not proportional. You have taken away the core mechanic of their and, and turned them into a crappy fighter. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. um, and that's not fun. That's not fun for a player to just suddenly be missing half of your class features. The one that got me was the uh, <laughs> uh, what is it? Uh, Nature pours a vacuum, so the cleric drifts from his god. Someone steps in to take care of that and doesn't mind what they're doing. So their spells start changing. They go to, you know, they go to do this smite or whatever, and it definitely goes off, but it also has an AOE that hits everyone. Right. And crackles with lightning, and you're like, which god are you praying to? What, with lightning, lightning? I've never had lightning before. I, mine has always been holy light. Mm-hmm. Right. But, see, you started acting like you were a follower of the thunder god, so now he's paying attention to you instead of the god of light and healing. Yeah, and he's a little bit okay with you doing a lot of murder. Yep. Yeah. Because he's all about strength and challenge, yep. and you are overcoming challenge after challenge after challenge. So here's your lightning, buddy. Yep, yep. So you're shifting. Um, some systems have clearly defined rules for the severity of a consequence. For example, a low roll or nat one in D&D and consequence slots and fate. How would you go about creating consequences for a system that don't have such rules apart from something bad happens? Um, I think you'd really have to... This is kind of a 202 level answer, because you have to look at the system to understand at what point do those consequences have meaning. If you're doing narrative, yeah. narrative consequences yeah. are always the wet, better way to go. Yeah, yeah. Always the better way to go. Because because they're system agnostic, mm-hmm. and, and they, 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 they will hit a character. Usually narrative is where, if you're especially if you're playing a narrative-heavy game, you've probably got a lot of buy-in from your players. Mm-hmm. And so narrative consequences for a narrative game are going to be work that's going to hurt most. Yeah. If you're playing narrative-heavy, they probably don't care about mechanics. And so cr- coming up with mechanics that hurt them doesn't matter. Yeah. Um, however, yeah, like you said, it's really dependent on the game system. Game mm-hmm. systems will teach you how they want to be played. Yep. Okay. Um, and so if you are looking for a mechanical uh, detriment, you can place upon them. Look to the rules. Yeah, and often what I would say is look to what a six, what what the levels of success look like. Mm-hmm. Like for instance, instead of setting a consequence, wh- what does it take to get a good bonus? You know, at this like advantage is a great example. Sure. People are like, oh well, I'll just give them disadvantage. What does it take to get advantage? Mm-hmm. How how important is advantage? What is the weight? Not necessarily the mechanical weight of advantage, but like, how does it come out in the game? That concept of advantage. If it's really just a minor thing, disadvantage is not a bad mechanic to use. Sure. On the other hand, if you're just like, uh, you're at a penalty. Ooh. Like penalties in Savage World are harsh. Yeah. Yeah. When your target number is four, a minus one is a big deal. Yeah. And it's, it's, you know, and then you get into larger ones where it's just like, oh, you lose a die. Yeah. No, don't don't start pulling dice out of their pool unless that is something that is reasonable. Right. Within right. it. So again, sometimes you have to look at what the advantages that give you things are to be able to retract those. Yeah. And don't steal from their narrative gifts. Don't steal bennies. Don't steal drama. Don't do those things. Yes. Those yes. must stay on the table Agreed. even in these situations because again, a consequence should never be taken away from gifts. 
gifts that are openly given yeah. in that sense. Yeah. And I, w- I would say to um, be very leery of, uh, especially if you're going to permanently do it, do not remove anything the character has spent like points on. Mm-hmm. You know, um, this is why like a lot of games, if you you get like take like an edge or feet or you know whatever you know uh, talent mm-hmm. um, that allows you to have like a pet or a magic item or something like that. Yeah, um, it will say specifically in the text of like. If they lose it, they regain it at a later point for Regardless, free yep. because they spent a character build point of some sort on getting it. Correct. And you're essentially nerfing the character of an experience level if you take it away from them. Yep. Yep. I agree with all of that. So we do have a system spotlight this month. Yes. But we have a science fiction double feature. <laughs> sci-fi double features so uh they are both extraordinarily rules light systems um lasers and feelings and mothership but i feel like they're on the opposite ends of the spectrum like it's a really weird narrative gap between them i i haven't looked too hard at either of them and i'm excited to do so well lasers um, and feelings like it says lasers and feelings those are the two gap points within that 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 area whereas mothership almost feels I don't know how to put it. Um, it almost feels like the simplified paranoia, uh-huh. or or like you know Starship Troopers thing, where it's like th- things bad things happen in sp- in the vacuum of space. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, so expect that bad things are going to happen. Um, but I'm I'm excited. I'm excited that we 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 get this sci-fi double feature. Absolutely. Uh, all right. Well, you can find us on Twitter at st underscore conclave. Listen to us live on or, or sorry, <laughs> find us on Instagram at st underscore conclave. Listen to us live every Wednesday night, 7 p.m. Eastern time on mixlr.com/slash/storyteller-conclave. And uh, like we mentioned before, uh, go ahead and uh, join us up on our Discord. Shoot us some suggestions. Uh, we really haven't put a lot of stuff on our calendar for next year, so we are very suggestible right it's gonna now. It's going to be a busy, busy month. It's going to be a busy month, man. <laughs> uh, you can find that link to our Discord on our Twitter or our website, StorytellerConclave.com. We'd like to thank our Patreon members uh, who help us out every single month uh, bringing this show to you, uh, especially our name members, Knox in the Box, Subjet Sam, The Arcane Asylum, Sparkle Motion, Veteran, Hulavu, and Sean. We really appreciate the support. Our pre-show music is by Arcane Anthems. You can find them at patreon.com slash arcaneanthems or on Instagram. The guy's been producing a lot of content. Mm-hmm. Um, our pre-show, our intro music is Beyond the Warriors by Geefrog. You can find that at geefrog.bandcamp.com. Um, uh, you can, uh, our, <laughs> I'm losing it. Our outro it. music is Only Our Footprints in the Sand by Midair Machine. You can find that at freemusicarchive.org. And a big shout out as always to our families, Vicky and Sean. Thank, Thank you so you. much for Thank loving you. and supporting us. All of our friends who've sat with us at our tables to give us these great stories to share with you over the years. And you, every single one of our listeners. We love you guys so much. Love you guys. Good, Good night. night.